Welcome to the Reimagining Prison Podcast. Today, our guests are Will Riddle. Will is the Vice President of Church Programs and Church Mobilization for Prison Fellowship. Will and I have worked together uh, for quite a few years. And uh, our second guest is Vanessa Franklin. Vanessa is the National Director for Field Operations for Prison Fellowship. And today we are focusing on resources that Prison Fellowship provides to correctional facilities around the country and also resources to the incarcerated population, both men and women, their families, and their communities. So welcome, Will and Vanessa. Thanks Thank so much you, for having us, Sam. Will, why don't we start out by, uh, why don't you describe what you do for Prison Fellowship, maybe what you've done in the past, because you have a, a quite a range of uh, uh, opportunities that you've been involved in the last five plus years you've been with Prison Fellowship. Yeah, well, absolutely. So uh, yeah, Sam and I, as you mentioned, worked together for uh, five years on the prison side. And really my goal there was to bring uh, faith-based prison programming to the entire nation. Um, and so we just, we were able to do a lot um, just to really expand prison fellowships footprint together. And then as that uh, matured, um, I was able to bring in Vanessa as my successor to, to continue that work. And she's done an awesome job with that and now have moved into um, the church mobilization side, which is really working with it's really two things. One is working with the children and families of the incarcerated uh, and then equipping churches to work well with children and families of the incarcerated. And a lot of that happens through our Angel Tree program. Okay, Vanessa? Uh, I have the pleasure of overseeing a team that we deliver the T1 academies for prisons across the nation. And then also the HOPE events as well as Angel Tree Parent Days. Okay, and we'll get into some of that specifics in a minute. Well, why don't we start off with Angel Tree? Angel Tree is probably the most recognized program of prison fellowship in the country as far as when it comes to correctional facilities. But often it, people only think of it in terms of Christmas. So why don't you give us uh, an idea of what Angel Tree has grown to become because it encompasses more things than just Christmas and the reasons behind that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I were going to be completely confessional, Sam, when I joined and I thought of Angel Tree, I was like, oh, it's that Christmas thing. Like if I could just stay away from that as much as possible, um, you know, um, but as I was here a little while, I got educated that, um, first of all, the Christmas thing itself is a lot more than we appreciate, you know, on its surface, you're not, you're doing a lot more than just giving a gift to a child. Um, what you're doing is you're really fostering a bridge between that parent and the child. Um, in some cases, you're encouraging one to take take place that may not have happened otherwise. You, know, you may be going to a parent who's maybe not all that involved and saying, hey, sign this here, your kid will get a gift. Okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden they get a thank you note from their kid. And, and the caregiver starts thinking better things about the, about the incarcerated parent. It, just, it, it starts a virtuous cycle. Um, and that's just, that's the relationship piece. But then on the outside, um, when possible, churches begin to get engaged uh, with the child or with the family to do things year round. Yeah, Angel Tree for me too. <clears throat> when I first joined Prison Fellowship, I, I didn't have a lot of information about it because I was on the academy side and we didn't do the Angel Tree piece. And when you when you look at the Angel Tree program, I, I don't think people appreciate how huge it is and how complex it is because we were in thousands uh, of churches, 8,000 churches or so uh, participate. We're in hundreds and hundreds of prisons around the country, working with all of those chaplains, the volunteers, tens of thousands of incarcerated men and women uh, 
put their names in for it, let alone hundreds of thousands of children. And it, it is a huge uh, program. It takes a big team to pull it off. Um, Vanessa, you have firsthand experience with Angel Tree, so why don't you tell your story a little? I, I do. I have the unique pri privilege of being the first national director who was also previously incarcerated. So my first encounter with Angel Tree was actually during prison. And one of the things that was able to really capitalize and realize what Angel Tree would do was connecting my children to the church, but also the church to me. And to be able to work together as a team, to especially that first year is a very traumatic year for children going through all of those adjustments and to make sure a church is there and supportive in a very traumatizing time was crucial for my family as well as everyone else's family. And what I learned so much about it, Sam, was it's really the first time that I understood the power and the impact of living in community. That when you allow community in a very positive, healthy way, to interact with your family. And that includes from DOC and everyone who is involved during that incarceration, that there is a positive impact that comes from just learning what a healthy community looks like. So if you were talking to a particular correctional facility and uh, who, maybe who've never participated in Angel Street, and there's some out there, not a lot, what, what, what do they have to do? What, what facilitates the program the best from a correctional leader's point of view? Uh, obviously connecting with our prison fellowship team. And really, I, I, if there is a prison that is not connected to Angel Tree, I just would be surprised. But then either connecting with a field director or the Angel Tree um, team itself. And then we begin the process of making sure the applications are there because the incarcerated parent completes the application. That is how the child is actually enrolled into the program is mm -hmm. mom or dad who is in prison enrolls them in the program. Then at that point, a church is connected with the child and then it begins that process of a year round program between the church and what Angel Tree itself offers uh, it just walks through that season and that time that a family just needs that additional support. You know, Will, we just went through the pandemic year, and obviously it affected everything we do. What adjustments did we make in the industry program to make it successful in a, in a year that was very difficult to get into prison? Well, you know, I was really proud of our organization during that time because uh, there was a real recognition early on that we're going to have to do things a little differently. And... Um, <clears throat> So what we came up with was the Angel Tree Virtual Program, where um, we're uh, where if if there isn't a local church, we'll connect uh, a gift card to the to the child. And so what that allowed us to do was a lot of churches that wouldn't or were not in a position to go out in a pandemic and serve were able to contribute. And so what we're doing now is we've kind of melded the two, and said you know what we're going to continue to allow people to give, but we're really going to do as much as we can to get that local delivery. So we're putting an incredible amount of emphasis this year on finding and, and resourcing those churches that are super proximate to where the kids are. 
Um, because as Vanessa said, our goal is to really have that, um, that, that ongoing long-term touch. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are talking about community engagement. And there's no better way to, uh, to engage the community than to uh, engage the faith community who have a propensity to volunteer, get involved. Um, but Angel Tree Christmas program, as I said, is probably the most recognized program at PF. But we are moving beyond Christmas and have moved beyond Christmas to other things. Will, do you want to kind of talk about some of the things that we're engaged in and how we're looking at Angel Tree as, as more than just a Christmas time program? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I think that with a program like this, that's at so much scale, the temptations just go bigger and bigger and bigger. But our heart is really to have that deeper transformation in a child's life. And so um, one of the main things that we do is uh, Angel Tree Camping, where each summer, um, through the generosity of donors, we fully fund a child to go to camp. Um, and some of our camping partners do a lot of really deep uh, engagement with them, kind of ongoing mentoring and things like that. And, and, and what you, you may not appreciate is that a week at camp can be incredibly life transformational for a child who's, in some cases, never even been out of their neighborhood. Um, and then also, of course, we have uh, industry sports camps, which come to major cities around the country. And that, you know, it's amazing because it's just like Christmas, you know, Sam, when I, when I got involved with sports camps, I just thought, you know, what kind of day of doing sports do? And I got a note recently, and it was a mom just really going through incredible difficulties, everything you could imagine associated with, um, you know, having your loved one incarcerated and the kids and all that. And, and um, she just said, you know what, this day out you know, with my kids getting new shoes and just seeing them happy. And it just, it just changed my whole trajectory, you know? And so, um, so those are the three main components, but then the other thing that sows through that is what the church itself does, right? So churches do VBS, they do youth group, they do all these different things that put all together, it becomes, as, as Vanessa said, just a, a really redemptive community uh, that, that um, people can be involved in. And the kids during the sports camp, uh, we have some very interesting partners that uh, partner with us. You want to name some of the people on sports camps with? Well, we do. You know, uh, I was just at the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, last month and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, which was pretty awesome to be on the court. And um, we've done one with the Rams. And of course, we've also done with some with some famous uh, athletes, uh, Kenny Clark, um, Clay Matthews, diff different folks that are, um, you know, well-known um, talent uh, have been have been with us. So it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, you know, whether you're uh, uh, incarcerated or not, uh, it's, it's fun to be at the Dallas Cowboys practice field. Right. Vanessa, any, uh, any thoughts on uh, Angel Tree that we haven't mentioned? Uh, just the power of the volunteers. Um, I don't think we can say enough that the impact volunteers make on a program like Angel Tree. Um, it's a difficult season for a child and no one can replace mom or dad. And what I appreciate so much about our volunteers is they don't want to. They want to honor the place that mom and dad have in their life. It's just to stand with them, walk along during that time. And uh, we're fortunate that we have volunteers that just tap into the importance of that. And it's a, that supportive role of a mom and dad. It's priceless. Yeah, I think I think we're all 
would agree that one of the things we want to do is to get the community engaged into, into the incarcerated population. But the idea of walking in a prison to most people uh, is not something they're going to do without some encouragement. Uh, Angel Tree has, has proven to be a great first step. So they're involved with the incarcerated parent's child or maybe the incarcerated parent's spouse and get to know the, um, that lay of the landscape. That, and then they go on sometimes to do even more than that. So it's a, it's a great first step. Uh, Vanessa, you do a lot of other things uh, as well because you're working uh, with our volunteer folks in the field. Um, during the last podcast, I interviewed Daryl Brooks, who's the uh, program director for the Tier 2 Academy. And you mentioned earlier that you supervise uh, the Tier 1 Academies. Can you tell us can you give our audience uh, who may not be familiar with that language what a tier one academy is and how many do we currently have around the country? Uh, the tier one is just sort of a condensed version of what the tier two is. The tier two has a program manager that works full time within the facility and it's 500 hours in a 12 month time frame. The tier one is a volunteer led, they're facilitating the program itself and it's 200 hours in a year. And currently we're at what, 123 academies mm -hmm. and our goal is 165 uh, over this next year. So what has to happen in order for an academy to go into a prison? Does a prison has to request it? Are there certain conditions they have to meet? Is there something you're looking for? How does that work? Uh, ideally, Sam, we're looking for a facility that kind of has uh, someone needs to be there longer than the year. So it's easier for that mid-level custody to a higher level custody. Uh, it's great to have a class that is a combination of even lifers along with those who are going to be leaving, you know, within the next two to three years. And the dialogue that comes from that within a classroom, the spiritual leadership that it does, you know, tend to grow during that 12 month time frame. So we love to see a combination of a classroom that looks like that. And uh, how, how big is an academy? How many incarcerated people are in a, in a class? Typically, Typically, we're between 20 to 25. Now, obviously, with the, you know, post-COVID, we're smaller classes right now, but in a normal season, we'd like to, you know, have about 20 to 25 in a classroom. What kind of volunteer base do you need to, to begin an academy? Well, for example, some of the classes that we have are navigating finances, uh, God's way. It's fantastic to have an accountant, a banker, someone that comes from that background to go into a facility so what we try to do is to find volunteers that are strong in those areas. Uh, boundaries for women. It's always wonderful when a counselor, a, a therapist is helping to drive and lead the boundary programs. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we look for is someone who is strong in that area and they take the lead and it just increases the quality of that education during that year. As far as our volunteers, and a lot of correctional people may not be aware of our process of how we recruit and how we train volunteers, how are volunteers prepared to be in the prison environment and to contribute? Well, prison fellowship, we have 
of course, our online training, but a field director is responsible for that ongoing training uh, that when we need to specialize on particular classes, uh, for example, uh, change companies, we're gonna spend a lot more time on training on change companies than we would a typical class. And for those volunteers leading those programs, it's just an ongoing uh, training that a field director and, and the regional director will continue even after that initial prison fellowship training. I'll ask you the same question I asked Will. We've just gone through uh, over a year of COVID restrictions and obviously that surely has impacted what you and your team does. What, how have you adjusted during the time where we had a lot of prison uh, closed to visitors and to, and to volunteers? How have you survived that? It's been a very creative year. So that, that's been the fun of it. Uh, so for example, on some of the HOPE events we've done, uh, we called them the outside of the fence. So we were in a stage, screen, speakers, and we're set up on the outside of the fence. And of course, the inside of the fence is socially distanced and we're able to continue with the HOPE events. Facilities that we were not able to do outside of the fence, then there were several that we did a live stream, that it was live from the church straight to the facility and very successful. We did um, a great blitz for Mother's Day in California. And it was two churches, six facilities all at the same time. And it was just a great event for Mother's mm -hmm. Day, you know, in California. And then, of course, through Floodlight and then also watch parties, a DVD that is set up and they're actually watching the service. Well, you mentioned Floodlight. Can you can you give a, a thumbnail description of what Floodlight is as a program? Floodlight was another fantastic part of this ministry that was birthed during COVID. And it offered uh, the ability to have an online for DOCs to tap into programming, to faith-based classes, also different types of services. And that's been something that we just continued to grow when we're building and mm -hmm. really just seeing, you know, what all is possible. Okay. Um, Saturday, last Saturday, I believe, there was a program in Ohio that I think would be interesting for you to describe. Uh, I just saw on the internet, um, my, one of the uh, correctional news places had a, a news release on what happened Saturday and quoted the, the director, Annette Chambers-Smith. So can you give us a, a view of what, that, what happened there? Uh, what's been the really fun part of going from reporting to Will to then being able to work together? Will has and his team has built church mobilization along with Angel Tree. So what happened Saturday was a combination of all of those things that have been developed over this past year. It took place inside of a prison and it enabled each of those moms to see what was happening with their children far as Angel Tree with Prison Fellowship. And then we partnered with Rock City Church and Rock City Church just did a fantastic job uh, showing videos of the church, of their programs, and everything that they have been doing with children, and what mom can expect to see over this next year by enrolling their child in Angel Tree. 
Well, and if I can just jump in here, you know, Sam, you were asking earlier about, you know, what prisons can do. And, you know, we, every year we reach out to every um, secured facility, state or federal, um, you know, to get apps. And of course, some are participate a lot more than others. And so a lot of that has to do with understanding the program and its reach. And for chaplains, understanding it can be extension of their ministry. For wardens, understanding that it's, it's part of building positive culture. Um, and, um, you know, I think that may, what might be interesting here is you're talking about this Angel Tree Parent Day, which is a new way that we're going about signups. And the reason why we're doing that is because it really uh, comes from Vanessa's story and her encounter with, um, with Angel Tree Christmas and kind of how it struck her. So I think it might be fun, uh, Vanessa, for you to share a little bit about your, how you ended up deciding to do Angel Tree and the Parent Day story. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, it was 2009. And the, they were doing application at Eddie Warrior's facility in Taft, Oklahoma. And someone said, uh, fill out this application and get your kid a toy for Christmas. And my response was, no, thank you. My children don't need charity and I don't allow strangers around my children. <laughs> Fortunately, a chaplain who was well-informed and really understood the power of angel trees, she goes, no, Vanessa, uh, Prison Fellowship does a great job vetting the churches, and it's a great program to have your child connected to. So I did enroll the girls in Angel Tree. And the way I am, I still want to know who's involved in my children's lives. I want to make sure I'm connected to them. So I was able to find uh, the church that were assigned to my children sent a letter to the youth pastor and really just wanted to introduce myself, but mainly I really wanted him to know and understand my girls, that this was the first year of my incarceration. I was very concerned how they were doing emotionally, spiritually, and wanted to make sure the support was there for them. Um, I wanted him to understand the personalities, that they're very stoic. You can ask them how they are, and they're always going to say, we're fine. And you have to dig a little deeper to find out how they really are. And so I explained with Chelsea, uh, if you listen to her music, she plays the piano. And if you listen to what she plays, you'll find out how she is. If it's somber, it's not a good time. If it's a strong praise and worship, she's doing all right. And they were just fantastic, Sam. They, you know, invited her to be part and work with the praise and worship minister. And it was all so they could hear her play so they would know how she is hmm. and spend time with Shelby. And I was telling Will, my girls are very kind and gracious. So they don't always let me know what they've been through. And Shelby, who just turned 27, shared her angel tree story at Tutwiler facility in Alabama just this past August. And it's the first time I had heard my daughter's side of the story. Mm. And she spoke of there's on this one particular day, it was a rough day for her and Chelsea. And they were sitting on Chelsea's bed and they were just like, how are we gonna do this without her? And about that time, there's a knock on the door and it was the Angel Tree Church. And they were delivering things for the girls. And the message on the package was from me. 
And it was, I love you dearly. And always remember, I carry your heart. I carry your heart in my heart. Well, they knew that that was me. A child always knows the voice of their mother. And mm -hmm. that's something that my girls and I would share with each other. And they knew it was me. And they said in that moment, they knew everything was going to be okay, that I was going to find a way to always make sure I was there with them. And that God had opened up a way to answer that prayer of how are we going to do this without her? And the good news is you don't do it without me. We just had to do it differently. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to inviting community to be part of it and filling in that gap. So long story short, the church stayed very involved with the girls. They were fantastic. Uh, Chelsea aged out of Angel Tree, but the church by no means, she didn't age out from them. And as she got older and she met her now husband and they were beginning to court, part of my letters was really coaching the youth pastor, the pastor on, you know, supervise that courtship, be with them through it. Here's my expectations of, you know, what I want my daughter to have and how she should be cherished and treated. And they just did an amazing job. So it's been a it was humbling, but at the same time, quite beautiful. And mm -hmm. I'll never can say thank you enough uh, for that church and the support that they offered my family. That's a great story. You know, Will, um, like I said earlier, we have over 8,000 churches to partner with us in the program, but you, you work and your team works in that whole arena of engaging uh, the faith community. So uh, for our audience uh, who work in correctional facilities, can, what would you say to them as far as the interest of the community in the incarcerated uh, folks and their families that you have found when you're uh, visiting with the churches around the country? Well, there's incredible interest, Sam. I mean, I have to say that obviously prison ministry isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's a specific kind of a person, but, um, you know, the... The, the, the Bible message actually includes remembering those in prison. And so it's, it's a part of the heart, I think, of many Christians and churches just innately that they want to figure out what they can do to help, you know? And so mm -hmm. of course, you know, there's, for some people, that's just an event. It's the hope event. It's the parent day. It's the, it's the one time in there, they participate, you know, but for others, it's the deeper call and, you know, I think from my time working together with you, Sam, when we were on the prison side, you just get to see kind of in parallel, you know, volunteers that are there for other reasons and church volunteers and just the level of sustainment. We have some volunteers, right? What was it? What was the ones we honored, Vanessa, a couple of years ago in Oklahoma? They'd been volunteering for 30, 40 years just because mm -hmm. they believed in the people that they were ministering to, you know, and it was just, you know, and then when you and then when you go in. And exactly like what you said earlier, Vanessa, that when you go in and you see how much the presence of a volunteer means to, to an, an incarcerated person's journey, you, you realize, you partly realize, Sam, then why the volunteers keep coming back, <laughs> because they realize this is a place they can have lasting impact in someone's life. Yeah. Well, we're, we're about out of time. Uh... Vanessa, any, any final words of encouragement from uh, your, your part as far as uh, PF being a resource to those who work or live in prison? Uh, 
to stay tapped in uh, programs and like the academy programs like angel tree what it does for someone who's incarcerated it's a game changer uh it is life-changing and the effect that it has on the family there's just not enough words for uh so for all of those department of corrections that partner with us and give us that ability uh beyond grateful uh, because it makes a difference for all of us you know, 86% of everyone in prison that, you know, 86% are coming home and to just create good citizens and good neighbors coming home. It's impactful. Will, any final words from you as far as what, what we offer to the folks who live and work in prison? No, it's just, uh, again, we're, we're very thankful for um, every, all of our partners and, and um, we just want to say that uh, we want to be the best partner that we can be. And um, you know, just uh, we encourage you to reach out to us, and um, and also um, look forward to serving uh, with you again this year. Well, Will and Vanessa, thanks for being our guests on the Reimagining Prison Podcast today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for listening to the Reimagining Prison Podcast, produced and sponsored by Prison Fellowship. Tell us what you think by rating and reviewing the Reimagining Prison Podcast on iTunes. To reach out with any other feedback or suggestions for future podcast guests, you can email us at reimaginingprisonpodcast at pfm.org. You will find this email address in the description for this episode as well.